Welcome to Demand Does the Six Questions, where the same six questions can tell a unique story. I am your host, Demand, father of two, husband of one, and leader of this here Demodcast. My next guest is 33.34% of the Boondocks podcast. <laughs> she is also the better half of the Letter Kitty podcast with her lovely husband, <laughs> Dean. She's a talkative titan of tremendous tenacity, targeting troublesome types for teammates and Tinder teachers. Oh, my God. Give it up for Tiara Walker. Oh, shit. That was amazing. (laughs) Hi. Hello there. Oh, man. I don't think I've ever gotten any kind of an introduction that even like slightly stood up to that fantastic that's you that's the goal hell yeah <laughs> i want everybody to anybody who comes on this show if you don't feel important anywhere else at least for <laughs> the 30 30 ish minutes that we're chatting you are important so everybody deserves that kind of uh, introduction yeah i like that so how are you doing? It's finally, it's, it's, it's nice to meet you face to face because yeah. we're, we're kind of like Twitter buddies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Other than the podcast and Dean, I don't see a lot of faces lately. Like where we live, it, you know, I'm. we were talking before you started recording that like I've been teaching from home now for 11 months. Like it's a different, yeah, it's a thing. It's, 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 a, it's a totally different animal that I can only imagine. I've got two little ones at the house here. I got a, I got a four-year-old and a seven-year-old, and the the, the, the seven-year-old's been she's been something. <laughs> she's been I, something. Oh, I can't even imagine. Like the the almost eighteen-year-old is so bored already. Like already, he's has been so bored. Like he's very very excited to work his job now at Subway because he gets to leave the house. <laughs> Like, yeah. I get that. I get it. I totally get it. It's like, you get to get out of the house. like, yes, fresh air. Um, has, how's the weather been out there? We got we got hit with a bunch of snow last week. Oh, yeah. We had, I think it was the biggest snowfall that Seattle, the Seattle area has had in about 50, 60 years. Like, there was a shit ton of snow. I don't know <laughs> if I can swear on here. I just realized I didn't it's, ask you that. Nah, okay, good. It's fine. <laughs> there was so much snow. I think where I live in particular is kind of a weird, um, it's a little higher elevation than uh, other parts of Seattle. So we usually see more snow than downtown Seattle has. Gotcha. Um, We had, I think we got up to 14 inches by the end of the weekend. And, you know, in my memory of living in Seattle for 42 years, I could only think of like two storms that were even slightly like it. So it's all melted now here. Yeah. Wow. Thank gosh we're not like Texas. Like it doesn't All happen right. often, but at least it does happen. So. <sighs> and if you're going to do yeah. it, go big or go home, I guess. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I if it's <laughs> going to be that cold, I'd rather it snow than rain. So. <laughs> right. It's easier to get the snow right. off of the roof of things. <laughs> Say what? It's easier to get the snow off of the roof of th- roofs of things uh, instead of when water puddles in. Water's a lot heavier, actually. I had never thought of it that way. And I was <laughs> going to learn something very something I wasn't expecting. I wasn't <laughs> expecting it this early, though. So everything else will be a bonus, I guess. Oh yeah, totally. 
So, Tiara Walker, are you ready to answer the six questions? I think so. <laughs> Let's do it. Question number one. When did you know you wanted to be a podcaster? Like, what are the, basically I'm asking here is what are the origin stories of the Letter Kenny podcast and the Boondock podcast from your perspective? Because I already got Lindsay's a couple yeah. weeks ago. Actually, Dean was the big, like, enthusiastic podcast person for a long time and tried to get me, like, constantly throwing out ideas for different podcasts. And I was just like, yeah, that's not really, I don't, I don't want to talk to strangers about that. Or, And then we discovered Letterkenny right around the same time that, okay, we went to see uh, My Dad Wrote a Porno live. And, oh, oh, you don't know this one? That is a podcast. <laughs> It's a really, really amazingly ridiculous podcast. But we went and saw them live and uh, sat with friends in the little bar talking about podcasts. And Dean and I had been just started watching Letterkenny because uh, he found it on YouTube. Yeah, it just kind of spiraled from there. And somehow he talked me into actually being his, you know, co-host. And, you know, he couldn't get me on Podskeer too often, which is the po the podcast that he did. And so, yeah, it like I, I definitely thank uh, my dad wrote a porno for getting me into podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the Boondocks one was a little different. When the pandemic started, we finished all of the Letterkenny episodes to, that had been out to that point. We both wanted to keep doing something, but we couldn't really settle on something. And at the beginning of the pandemic, my mental health actually really suffered pretty greatly. And as I was getting out of that a little bit, that's when things like George Floyd getting killed happened. And like so many other people, we were basically binge watching whatever was available because we were in our house 24 hours a day. And Boondocks was one of the ones that we happened to watch. And you know, neither of us had watched it since it first came out. And every episode, we found ourselves talking about how relevant it was and how like, hey, wait, you know, like I'm crying over this kid on a cartoon because this kid is so much like a kid that I had worked with before and, you know, mm. things like that. And so, you know, that's that's how basically the idea came out. Dean was like, you know, he knew that he could not be a host on it because he's a white guy and that was not the show for him. Right. So he actually is the one who helped uh, find Lindsay and MJ and got us all together and then... I, I would say within like 10 minutes of us talking just in a, like a regular like meeting, we were like, yeah, we're going to do this. This is going to be great. Right on. So, <laughs> so yeah, all of, all of both of the podcasts that I do weren't necessarily exactly what, like I hadn't thought of doing it until I was doing it, I guess. <laughs> right on. So just yeah. kind of, it was just one of those serendipity, serendipitous yeah. moments, I guess. Yeah. It was natural. I, I will probably say this at least uh, one other time. Uh, the chemistry between you three is is excellent. I I enjoy y'all's show so much, and I'm not kissing butt because I'm sta actually staring you <laughs> in the face. <laughs> For me, it's especially amazing because I've never had black friends. To be absolutely honest, wow. like wow. living in Seattle, I you know there were I was always on the fringe of a whole bunch of different groups, but none of them like there wasn't there wasn't a lot of 
people of color around here until probably the mid 90s. So like I was in high school before I had classmates that were predominantly not white. Wow. Um, yeah. So um, it's really it's really awesome finally feeling like I have a little bit of a connection to you know my people um, but also like I just the fact that these are the three of us are so really very different but like I think we've we've had two uh, um, two major disagreements that did not make it into the podcast but both of them were were like learning experiences for somebody in the group mm-hmm. um, and like we we joke that it's therapy every week but it really is like doesn't matter how we're feeling going into it. We feel much better by the end of it. Mm. So it's a, that's an amazing, like you can call that chemistry or just good fucking luck. But <laughs> you know, it's, it, these are, I, I found people randomly on Twitter that I would very much love to hang out with you included in real life. Wow. So yay. <laughs> Question. Number two, what do you wish you had known when you first started out? How to talk into a microphone without hitting it or moving (laughs) it all the time. Uh, And also what kind of microphones I really should use. Like I talk with my hands. Thank God Dean figured out to get one that was not standing up right in front of me. So I rarely like actually hit it now. Uh, but yeah, our early, like early Letterkenny episodes, I'm constantly hitting the microphone and just like, I, I could not, not. <laughs> so that's definitely something that I am very proud of myself now that I can get through multiple episodes before I actually hit it. So, <laughs> and I've also oh, learned wow. how to Congratulations. move it away a- when I need to. <gasps> Look at you. <laughs> I know. You I feel so fancy with this thing. So proficient. Look at you, girl. I'm a professional. That makes great. <laughs> that makes great, great podcast fodder by us talking about your visuals. But she's moving her hands and she's not hitting the That's microphone. Right. <laughs> she's, I also she's forget about that the... too. That's funny. <laughs> Question number three. What's your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant? I narrowed it down to two (laughs) when thinking of this question. I couldn't get past two because uh, there are two things that basically I would call them my my safe foods. Like if I'm going to a restaurant, there's usually a particular kind of restaurant we're going to. I can find some kind of pasta on the menu. You know, autistic brain not being, not knowing what the food's going to be. but. Like most places I can get a good fettuccine Alfredo with chicken, maybe some garlic bread. But if I'm going to my absolute favorite place, it's a Mongolian grill, yakisoba noodles, extra chicken, lots of garlic and sriracha sauce like that. That's what I miss. (laughs) That sounds delicious. Now, where do you pick those up at? Where do you pick those up at? We, you know, they're. As far as I know it, and please, if anyone out there is listening knows, Seattle doesn't actually have any Mongolian grills anymore. Like when I was a, in college, I lived at Chang's Mongolian Grill on Broadway. Like that was where I had lunch constantly because it was like a four dollar, you know, you go it. Yeah, oh, we're talking. We are talking nineties, so. Uh, <laughs> but you know, lunchtime and it was right next to the college. It was so perfect. But now we go up to uh, Mill Creek is my favorite one. I um, 
And of course, I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head because it's been over a year since I've been there. But yeah, there's a couple north of us that we we kind of go to whenever we can justify going north of us. Gotcha. So, yeah. I I have a question actually. Um, one of my previous guests is from Washington. I can't remember exactly where he's from. His favorite. He he always talks about his favorite is teriyaki. Like, <laughs> that sounds like Dean. And, you know, somebody from from out west or from Washington will know exactly what I'm talking about and how it's different than, you know, he lives here in Louisville. Uh, well, I'm in, where, I'm in Jeffersonville, but we're in Louisville, you know, Louisville area. Mm-hmm. And uh, he talks about it. It's like, they don't make it out here. It's like, if you find it, it's teriyaki. I'm like, okay, so now now I've met somebody. Is that a thing? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. That, that like, if I'm, if I can't eat for some reason, which happens relatively uh, often uh dean goes and gets teriyaki because it's easy it's fast it's basically grilled chicken with sauce on rice yeah it's it's like a staple around here like dean would be able to tell you off the top of his head like where it's from and all of that shit but uh <laughs> let me look real quick <laughs> As she's on her phone doing the google <laughs> thing doing the google okay. thing so it's japanese Okay. Which, if you know the Seattle area, makes complete sense because, um, and again, this is, I've lived here my whole life. I don't even know if they actually talk about this anymore. We used to be, like, sister cities with, uh, what's the one that had the big earthquake in the 90s? Kobe. Yeah. Kobe. So, Seattle was a sister city to Kobe, Japan. Okay. And so, there is a huge Japanese population around here. And it's spread out from here. Yeah, there's all different kinds of uh, Japanese food out here, but teriyaki is probably the most prolific. I am going to have to make a visit out that way once, I don't know, this whole thing. Um... <laughs> once the world writes itself again. Yes, yes, that's a good That's a good way to put it, yes. Yeah. Question number four. What are you curious about? I like how open-ended this question is. For me, I would say the main thing that I am curious about is I want to understand people. I want to understand why people do what they do and how they make the decisions that they make. I am starting grad school in uh, two months for my child and adolescent developmental psychology. So it makes complete sense that I'm doing that again. (laughs) Yes, it does. So, so yeah, the, the kids that I work with, I use a lot of, a lot of psychology and social, well, social and emotional learning is technically my title. Hmm. So, um, a lot of what I do is based on the, uh, the theory, Maslow's hierarchy of need, Mm -hmm. which is a psychological theory that basically says, if you don't have your base needs, you cannot progress, which duh. But uh, <laughs> this is the good old U.S. where that's not how capitalism works. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah. So for some of these kids, I'm the first one who has ever looked at them like they have a future other than going to jail or wow. being a drug dealer. Or like I've, I had a kid last year who I only got him right before Christmas. And then the pandemic, of course, hit in March. We closed down. So I only had him in person for four months, but 
I have his little sister now. And because of that connection that we made in that short period of time, like he completely changed his point of view on school. Like he's, he's been going to school this year online first year of middle school. And he used to be a kid that was like, like when he started at our school, we were afraid he was going to come and shoot up the school. Like there was so much anger there. And, you know, this is a kid who'd been abused and there are a lot of kids in his family and he he's the only male. So he gets a lot of the responsibility. Mm. Yeah. So a lot of that is what drives me, you know, knowing that just understanding what they're going through and being willing to sit with it with them and process it with them like that's that's what i'm here for and uh that's what i'm curious about i want to i want to know how to make things better i am waiting on your halo <laughs> to like show up and the oh i am so not an angel though <laughs> and... you, you know it's it's funny i've worked in special ed for my entire adult life basically either in preschool or now in elementary school and i've gotten that before where people are like oh that's so that's so noble what you do and i'm literally like this is the one thing that i know that i can really like not just that i can do good in it but like feels good like i want to do this work i know that it is stressful as fuck i am on so many edges like the the career lifespan of teachers in my particular job the turnover rate is is two years seven months which is like now for me because this is my third year teaching this particular field this section (laughs) so yeah like i completely know why there's such a high turnover i get it i've seen it i've i worked with a teacher who only lasted one year and only made it the whole year because of her contract um, but she was ready to walk out after three months. Wow. So, yeah, it's it's really hard. Um, but for me, it's natural, I guess. It's I can I can connect with traumatized kids in a way that I cannot connect with a lot of other people. So that's why I do what I do. <laughs> So it's selfish. To me, it feels selfish. Like I'm doing something that makes me feel good and that I feel like I'm good at, not that I'm a saint to do this work. And you also happen to be good, but you happen to be good at work that directly helps people in a way that isn't common. There are very few people in life will find find that square hole as the square peg. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And you, you Absolutely. Zip. Part of it is that the school I landed at, once I finally decided to actually get my elementary teaching degree, the school that I landed at, the principal had seen me work with kids before because I worked as an IA for years before, while I was going to school. So she had seen me working at another school. She was good friends with a former principal of mine. And so when I basically walked into the interview and they were asking me questions about things I would do in, in different situations, I, I was like, oh, shit, I'm comfortable with this question. Let's do this. Let's talk about this. And basically, when I was hired, my principal was like, I trust you. Go do what you do. Let's see what happens. I didn't find this out until later. 
But the reason why she was like that is because nothing had really worked with these kids and oh. teachers were quitting left and right. And she was just like, let's try something new. And, you know, if it wasn't for the pandemic, the kids that I had last year I'd had for that was the second year having them. I can guarantee you I would have gotten every single one of them out of the program that they were in. The only reason I couldn't take them out of it, I couldn't get them out of that particular track was because of the pandemic. A big part of that is I let them take a lot more responsibility for their actions and their thoughts and their feelings. Hmm. I spend a lot of time teaching them how to recognize the things that are happening in themselves and, you know, how to stop things before it gets too much or, or whatever. And, you know, this year is a lot harder because I can't make those connections with the kids in my 30 minute small group once a week or, you know, the tutoring of the math kid who just puts me on mute and walks away or <laughs> so, Never so yeah. Yeah, really, it doesn't. <laughs> they, 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 kids and kids are kids, man. They never change. It is true. You know, one the one thing I can kind of that keeps me going is all of my families have expressed that if I was willing to go back in person, they would send their kids in person. Like they, but they're not going to send their kids in person unless it's with me. Hmm. So that 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 felt good. <laughs> Man, take yeah, 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 yeah. Breathe that in, man. Let that <laughs> breathe. Are you kidding me, man? Not many people uh, can say that about what they do. You know, that's yeah. yeah I yeah, I want to build that. my own that's school awesome. someday. Someday I will have my own school. Well, I shouldn't say my own school. I don't want to run a school. I want to provide a school. So, I don't know if that makes sense, but. <laughs> Yes, it does. Yeah, I'm like, I want to pay someone else to run it. I just want to do like the therapy <laughs> part that I really want to do. <laughs> Question number five. Is there anything I should have asked but didn't? Before coming on to record with you, we recorded an episode for Letterkenny, and we actually got to talk and hang out with one of the writers from it. And we started... Right? Yeah. We started, awesome. <laughs> we started talking about karaoke songs. So when I saw that question, I was like, oh, that's perfect. What's my go-to karaoke song? Because when, when the world is normal, karaoke is like my social life. <laughs> mm, okay. So, okay. So uh, my go-to karaoke songs are either We Belong by Pat Benatar or uh, Joey by Concrete Blonde. I didn't know. I, I, I've never heard of the second one. Yeah. Uh, Concrete Blonde was a band that I probably discovered when I was younger than I should have been. Like, I remember them all through my childhood in the 80s. Totally understand that a lot of people do not. Um. <laughs> you ever seen um, the movie Pump Up the Volume? Mm, I'm aware of it, but I okay. don't think I've seen it. They had, I think their biggest hit was a song on that, that from that movie, so... I'm going to have to look it up now. Yeah. There's something else I wanted to ask you about that hasn't come up, so I'm excited I get to ask about it. Okay. So tell me about your roller derby career. <laughs> oh, man. God, how long ago did I? I think I retired about five years ago from officiating. So, okay. <sighs> I have absolutely no sense of time right now. I know I was still in my 20s. <laughs> I was hosting karaoke at Leilani Lanes, which is a bowling alley in Seattle that's no longer there. 
And we used to have this group of girls who would come in just on like weird random weekday nights to sing karaoke. Um, and I ended up befriending them and talking to them. And it turns out they were starting a roller derby team in Seattle. And so this is back like in the early days of roller derby was just coming back. Mm -hmm. um, so that was it. what ended up being Rat City Roller Girls. These were some of the early Rat City Roller Girls. Um, so I started going as a fan and then I volunteered for them because it was a lot of fun and it was cool to start getting to know them. And then I started going to what was called PFM, which was Potential Fresh Meat. Um, basically, you learn how to skate, you learn how to play. Uh, so I started, I started going to it almost on a lark, but another league was forming at that time, which was Jet City in Everett, Washington. And I ended up like becoming a part of their kind of inaugural year. And I was with them for, I think four years. Hmm. And it was, it was good. I ended up getting injured, um, tore my Achilles tendon and my Ooh. ankle. Yeah. Yikes. And, you know, to this day, I have never really healed from it. I don't get a limp or anything unless it's like super cold outside. But um, yeah, I ended up switching to being an official, like a, like a referee. And I was with Rat City then for, I want to say like six or seven years. Um, so, okay. Yeah. And I retired when I decided to go back to school to, to become a teacher. So you did that. So you were in the business about a decade then. Yeah. Sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. I met Dean through roller derby, actually. His band played a fundraiser when, when Jet City was first starting, and that was how we met. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know he's listening. <laughs> actually, I don't. I think he's out of the room. I can't see him right now, so I'm guessing he's left to the other room. So, <laughs> so, so are they called rink rats by any chance? <laughs> Uh, a lot of the people who end up playing roller derby will have called themselves ring ra rink rats at some point in their lives. Um, <laughs> when I first started, there was no men's roller derby. Now there's women's, men's, co-ed, non-gendered leagues. There's all kinds of, well, the last year there hasn't been, but most people who hang out at roller derby or roller arenas, roller rinks, when they're kids, that's kind of how you get the rink rack title. Like me and my sister would hang out at Leilani. No, 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 sorry. <laughs> me and my sister would hang out at Linwood Rollaway <laughs> when we were teenagers and skate like every Friday, Saturday night, at least we were, we were there. So I was a rink rat for a short while. And look at you now. <laughs> <laughs> now I can't even put my skates on. Oh, I've, I've been told that I'm not allowed to. Such I could hurt myself. There. I could hurt myself. I could hurt oh, myself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With a bad Achilles, that that makes sense. Yeah. It's really unfortunate because I it was really like I've been on my skates once since I retired. And that was when I took a summer school group a couple of years ago roller skating. And man, that was the worst decision of my life because I hadn't been skating in so long. Oh. <laughs> and then I have a bunch of elementary school kids who want to hold on to me while they're trying to skate. And they they become heavy when they start falling. Oh, they are so heavy. <laughs> They're so heavy. And how many of them, like, no, I, I'm going to teach you how to fall next time because 
like so many kids hit their heads. (laughs) Not hard. Nobody was like injured badly, but oh my goodness. It was, I had forgotten what that was like. (laughs) (laughs) I know I shouldn't be laughing, but that's funny. You know, it's like, it's like on Letterkenny when Wayne's like, oh, shit, I could watch kids f- fall off bikes all day. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, won't, I won't wish injury on anybody. I will hope everybody is safe. But fuck, kids falling down is really funny. <laughs> it is. It and is. I've, I've raised so many of other people's kids. I can say that. <laughs> Question number six. This makes me sad because this is the last Aww. one. If you could create a new holiday, what would it commemorate? I ended up thinking of more things, but like I'm going to go with my first reaction on this because I feel like, especially in the last year or two, that this has become more important. I would commemorate James Baldwin's birthday. Mm. Um, and I would somehow tied into like i don't know if like during pride month some kind of thing like i i actually don't know what his birthday is off the top of my head but the fact that there was a black non-binary civil rights leader who wore nail polish and was open about all of that while simultaneously working side by side with martin luther king like Man, he has always been one of my idols. And I'm actually, the reason why he's even more in my head is because my school is getting rebuilt. They're actually going to start rebuilding it next year or later this year because it's 2021 now. And (laughs) we are petitioning the city to let us name the school after him. That's awesome. Right? That's really cool. I'm so excited about that. August 2nd, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. I knew it was sometime in the summer. That's what it's like, like pride, but not pride. So, <laughs> yeah. And in case you're wondering, it also happens to be eight days before Demonde. Just, just letting you know. Oh, all right. <laughs> so we all know now when Demonde is. Everybody who's ever met me knows when Demonde <laughs> is. <laughs> Dig it. There's a terrible, long, horrid story about it that we are on your time that we could talk about another time. <laughs> it is insanity. And I am, I am pure. This is one of the parts why I am pure Leo. All pure right. Leo, so. Both of my parents were Leo, so I understand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so wait, that would put you. No, that would put you a little before my mom. After my dad's birthday, but before my mom's birthday. All right in between. Cool. Yeah. All right, so this All is right. the part where you tell everyone how to find you on the interwebs and oh. uh, how to how to hear how to hear your lovely voice in other areas. How are you now? Pod.com is for our Letterkenny podcast. Don't know the Boondocks one off the top of my head. Is it just boondockspod.com? <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. Uh, Dean's pretty consistent with how he names things like that. Yeah, and if you want to in any way support me, support a teacher in your neighborhood. And there it is. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank, thank, you, you. thank you. That was fun. And if you enjoyed this as much as Tiara, go ahead to your favorite podcast app, leave a five-star rating and review. I appreciate it, and it'll help us rise up the rankings and more people can see the show and join the conversation.
Next week, we meet the final member of the Ladies of Woodcrest from the Boondocks podcast, the incomparable, cannabis-infused Mary Jane Maven. So until next time, see it, hear it, speak it, live.